0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Setting the Table. We have a really exciting uh, lineup over here. I want to jump in with a Shiloh. So people who are involved in Kiruv, what often happens is you have some guests over and at a certain point, you try to tell them a little bit about uh, different mitzvahs. And one of the mitzvahs that comes up is benching. People are eating together and then you end up benching. The question is, that with many of the people uh, I've seen, they're not really uh, sensitive to the idea of, oh, you know, while we bench, we don't talk, we don't say anything. And what they might end up doing is they'll, they'll start benching, they're saying some of the words, and then in the middle, they start talking, they start schmoozing, having a good time. Um, and the question is, is there, is there something to that? Um, on the one hand, if you eat, you feel satisfied, and you bench. Ubirachta well, means say thank you. On, on one level, maybe just saying thank you would be would be enough. On the other hand, Chazal gave an exact nusuch, the exact nusuch of what is the proper way of, of saying this. And so the question becomes, if somebody is going to do a mitzvah on the Torah level, on the Daraisa level, but not on the drabana level. Would we, would we encourage that? So, uh, Rav Zilberstein actually asks a very similar kind of Shiloh. He talks about somebody who was getting into, getting into Judaism, getting very uh, inspired. And he only had room by, his, by the outside of his apartment he only had the room for a tiny sukkah, seven by seven sukkah, which is the smallest size of a sukkah, but the table would actually be in his house. And the halacha is, it's a, it's a discussion in the Gemara and Sukkah, in the Mishnayis and the Gemara, but somebody who has a sukkah that is small, even if it's a big sukkah or a small sukkah, and, but they're sitting near the edge and the table is outside, so there's a concern that the person will start eating and will actually kind of go towards the food. And once you go towards the food, you're going to be outside of the sukkah. And so some say over there that you're not yotzei, which is how we seem to paskin. And <clears throat> Tosas clearly you're sitting in a 100% on the Torah level, 100% kosher sukkah. But Tosas says that since Chazal said we're afraid what's going to be, they made it that you're not even Yotzei Midaraisa. You're not Yotzei at all. Um, the Ran actually learns, you're only not Yotzei Um Both seem to agree that if you have a another opportunity to sit in a sukkah, you would go sit in a, in a, in a kosher sukkah in a kosher situation. So uh, the question is, the, Tulsa seems to say, if you mess up a Durabonun, even on the Daraisa level, you've done nothing. And the ron seems to say, only on the Drabana level uh, is it a problem. So, Mirchas talks about this a little bit. Mirchas says, well, here's, here's why it matters. Generally, we have a rule of Kfi'ah. Kfi'ah means that, not nowadays, but at a time where Beisdin is kind of operational, Beisdin will sometimes force a person to, to do a mitzvah. So, there's a discussion over there that, Perhaps only if a person's not doing a mitzvah doraisa. But if a person's just not doing a mitzvah doraisa, we would not do kfiyah. So whether or not this person was, was yotse, uh, or, or this person is not being yotse just on the drabanon level or even on the doraisa level would affect that. What it also would affect is a very simple case. This case of Rosilverstein's Shaila, That if this is the best situation you have, this is all you have. So, if you say, well, you're not Yotze, even Midoraisa, so then, even though this is the best you have, we don't blame you, but you're not doing anything. Once the Rabbanan said you can't do it, then it's as if you did nothing. Don't make that sukkah if you're going to be stuck sitting uh, with, with your table outside and uh, kind of subject to Chazal's Gzeirah. But if you go with the Ran, then <clears throat> it wouldn't be as bad. Final, uh, nafkmina the Bear Alacha brings. Uh, would you say Yanu again? So, if somebody sat in the sukkah and they were not yotzei, if they were yotzei on the derisa level, but they just weren't yotzei on the drabonah level, so probably you should not say Yanu again because at least on the derisa level you sat in the sukkah and your Yanu counted towards something. But if you say that um, you're not yotzei at all, then the Shekhyanu was just it was seemingly nothing. And so that too would seemingly be uh, dependent on this machlokus between Tosas and the Ran. has many, many ramifications. Rav Zilberstein says that at least for this person, it probably would be worthwhile for him to build that sukkah, sit in that sukkah, and that's, that's kind of the best sukkah that he has. So um, with other mitzvos, I think sometimes um, sometimes if you're, you're doing something like Chabad, they're putting tefillin on people and... Maybe it might not be perfect, but seemingly you have to. You have to know. You would have to learn some of the halachas of tefillin. Of are there certain things that if it doesn't fit perfectly, maybe your yotzei, uh, maybe it's problematic on the drabonah level, but you're still yotzei on the derisa level. Um, that would be an interesting discussion. Okay, let's run into a vart on the parsha. <clears throat> so this week's parsha Sefer Shamos begins. The gullus begins and. The Chazal tell us that, uh, the Gemara in Psachim tells us that, that one of the Amorim felt that it was preferable to have a specific type of Mara, Chazeres. And the Gemara says, why exactly is that Mara the best? And it says, I'll tell you why. Because it is, when it's first planted, when it first comes out, it is actually first soft and then it turns hard. It begins soft and then it turns hard, which is different than many vegetables. And therefore, this is going to remind us of something very important. What's it going to remind us of? So, Chazal tell us that when uh, Klal Yisrael was brought into slavery, it actually happened in a similar way. That first they were told... Hey, why don't you guys come? We'll pay you, it'll be great. They all got so excited, and it seemed like a good situation. Trilasa Ra, it seemed like it was good. Vesophokasha, but then they, as we know the story is, it ended up being a, a terrible situation, and they actually uh, were enslaved. And so therefore, this is going to this is going to kind of remind us of that. So the bear Yosef, we're going to the, the bear Yosef again. He's so good. Encourage everybody to uh, to 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 get one. I think they actually just put one into English as well. Um, <clears throat> the Bar Yosef asked a very subtle question. He says, "You know, that's really nice that uh, this reminds us of of that, but what does it have to do with murr Meaning murr is supposed to bring out and remind us of how bitter things were. So." Yes, some of the story is that it started in a soft way and then it turned bad. But what does it have to do with the whole point of murder, which is to really bring out in its entirety the bitterness of the situation? Not, We're not trying to remember the whole story. We're trying to connect with the bitterness. And the Bar says something fantastic. He says that, dome, You cannot compare uh, somebody who has a terrible situation, has Yisurin, has some suffering. The suffering that comes to a person when they were not involved, it's just a bad thing. Someone, someone pushed them and they broke their leg. It had, it had nothing to do with them. It was just an unfortunate accident. The suffering of an unfortunate situation that you are not a guilty part is anodoma. You cannot compare to the suffering that a person has when he knows it was his fault. It was his or her fault. It was, oh, if I didn't do this, then it never would have happened. The suffering itself is so much worse when you know uh, it's your fault. And so he says, that's the point over here, is when we're trying to think about how bitter the, the slavery was, the slavery itself it's not just the story that, by the way, it started soft and then it became worse. The slavery itself was so much worse. Every day, checking in with themselves, knowing, oh my gosh, you know, if we didn't come, like Sheva Levy, if we didn't come, if we were not seduced by this situation, then uh, we wouldn't be here today. And that pain is something that, that kind of sticks with you while you're suffering through the slavery, so uh, I think there's a, an unbelievable lesson, especially as as uh, parents, mechanchim, is a lot of the time when a child does something wrong, I think that's that's definitely something that's that's kind of going on is to, is to be aware of that something when something bad happens and the the child feels bad about it, is it just oh I'm suffering I'm upset or is there a part that they're not even aware of, which is, you know, I know that I had a little bit to do with this and, and kind of that makes it all the more worse to kind of acknowledge that extra level of pain is uh, I think very comforting for a child and for an adult. <clears throat> okay, so uh, actually, let's just go on for a second to, um, to an unbelievable idea I heard once from Rabbi Goldfez from Baltimore. Um, and the idea is as follows. Kind of piggybacking off of what we just spoke about, the, the, the maca of Tsvardeya. Uh, there's a famous machlokas, what was the maca of Tsvardeya? Some say just tons of frogs came out. Others say that there was one big frog and they, they said, oh, what's this frog? They hit it and some frogs came out. They hit it again and more frogs came out. And, and then there was this huge maca, they, they, they didn't stop hitting. And so um, the question is, why? Why would it be kind of in, in that way? Why would it be that, that that's how this maka took place? And Rabbi Golfez said something fantastic. He said, I think, pretty much the same idea as Bar Yosef. We could say this was maybe mida, k'neged mida, is that the suffering that, um, that Kalal Yisrael had was not just the suffering of, oh, we're suffering, we're in pain. It was a self-induced suffering, which is so much more painful. And the Mitzrayim having done that, their punishment, mida keneged mida, at least at some point, had to be that they had some self-induced pain. And the idea of hitting the frog, and then at a certain point it's too late, and there's frogs everywhere, really brings out this idea as well that, you guys did it to yourselves. You, that's how you made Khalil Yisrael suffer. That's how you guys are gonna suffer. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's, that's a beautiful idea. Okay, just to run to a story. A story with uh, Ravis Zalman Meltzer. Um, <clears throat> Ravistar Zalman uh, had this way about him when he's sitting with, with Talmidim, with, with kids, students, and somebody would say something outlandish, um, he would he would kind of he, he would he would always redirect it. He would say, Oh, oh, so so you're saying like this. He would always show how what they really meant was was the right shot. And even when they're saying something probably didn't exactly mean that, he would say, Yeah, oh, so you're saying like this. Oh, I think this is the right shot and this is what it is. And he had this one kid he was he was working on, uh, I think younger than, than uh, many of the Talmudim, he was he was generally interacting with. And he said, oh, so you mean that the Pshadon tells us like this? And this kid said, no, I'm trying to say like this. And, he, and, and again, he said, okay, so, but based on that, so you're saying, and he, and he tried to go back to saying the right Pshadon. And this kid was stubborn. This kid was, he, he, he would not let up. He was just, he said, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say like this. And <clears throat> at a certain point, Rabbi Zalman said, hold on, I'll be right back. Somebody observed him uh, walk out of the room and he, he kind of talked to himself for a second and he said uh, he said, "Co brios um, applies even to children and he said that a few times. he just kind of muttered under his breath, "Coover brios is, uh, is for children as well And he went back in and and he kind of uh, with a renewed vigor, he was able to to speak it out with the kid again and uh, I think it's just such a beautiful story of uh, so many different ideas. Number one, that uh, kids kids need respect, just like uh, just like everybody else. And we talk to our kids with uh, with respect. It goes such a long way. And number two, I think that you see uh, R- R- Raviv Zalman, that he was uh, he, he was struggling with it. It wasn't necessarily the easiest thing to do, but he felt that that was uh, <clears throat> important. And and by taking the time to Check in with himself, taking a deep breath, walking away from it, coming it back, kind of making all the right moves. He was able to uh, act in the way that he was uh, proud of. So uh, it's a very inspiring story. And everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos. Share the podcast with everybody. Share the Divrei Torah uh, at your table. And please feel free to send feedback. Take care.